I'm Kaitel. And I'm Joe. And we're the United Mates. Back in our school days, a shared passion for football brought us together as best friends. Today, we're separated by an ocean. I live in our hometown, London. And these days, I live in LA. But we still enjoy nothing more than chatting about the beautiful game. So we started a podcast. Join us. A few more old mates from school here and there. And new friends too from the world of professional football and beyond. This is the United Mates Football Podcast. Hello, welcome and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. Recording from not-so-sunny LA these days, I am one of your hosts, Kaitel. My co-host, Joe, is used to the gloom, of course, back in our hometown of London. And not just because he's a Spurs fan. So, Joe, in honour of a lesser-known London club that actually just won the prestigious Carabao Cup, and our guest today, I think, um, lives in what people would typically refer to as this club's hometown, but they are a lesser-known London club. Uh, and so, Joe, how the Red Devil are you, mate? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm good, thanks. I'm happy to be on the podcast again. Although, yeah, I, I can't say I wanted Man U to win um, the Carabao Cup final on the weekend, but, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, we we uh we you know we push on through these things, you know, Spurs and Arsenal kind of um fighting for their own sort of um positive ends to the seasons. But yes, the first trophy has kind of come and gone with United winning that one. Good for Ten Hag, good for his boys, um, except for one of them who seemingly is back with the squad and might be having a child on the way as well. But probably the less said about that, the better. So as usual, we do have a special guest with us on the podcast today as well. John Beer is co-host of the My New Football Club podcast alongside David Earle. John is also the Exeter City commentator for BBC Sports Devon, as well as being the youngest ever trustee for Exeter City Supporters Trust between 2018 and 2021. He's a current student in Manchester, so I guess by way of United winning a, a trophy, congrats in one way or, or another. John is a huge Exeter City fan, if you couldn't already tell from what i've just listed so welcome john beer to the united mates football podcast john it's a pleasure having you on the pod with us and how's it going mate no thank you very much some good uh some good research there. It's, uh hit, hit all the uh, all the things i've done so far but no it's a it's a pleasure to be on thanks for having me fantastic well yeah thanks for joining us john i mean i'm used to hearing your voice on my new football club so yeah it's good good to be chatting to you um well i'd say in person via zoom um right now but um at this point, we usually have a quick chat about um, my club and Kaitel's club, or my main club, I should say, because obviously I'm a bit of a Grecian at heart now as well. But it's yeah. been an interesting campaign for both Spurs and Arsenal so far. There's sort of different reasons, I suppose. Um, Kai, I'm going to ask you first, what's going to happen? Are you going to win the league? And what about Tottenham? Are we, are we getting top four? Are we going to finally win a trophy this year? I mean, we're, the night we record, we're playing Sheffield United shortly in the FA Cup, still in the Champions League. So yeah, Kai, Arsenal and Tottenham, What's happening? Well, you'll be out of both cup competitions soon, hopefully at the expense of Sheffield United, because uh, that would be funny. Um, otherwise, in a short answer to your first question about Arsenal, yes, yes, we are going to win the Premier League. Um, I've got not a whole lot of kind of tangible evidence to, to really go off of <laughs> on that, but it's just a gut feeling. And so that's what I'm manifesting, at least at this point. With regards to Spurs' end of the season, like I said, no trophies and hopefully painfully pipped to fourth place on the last day by like Liverpool or something so that you guys finish fifth and have to go into the Europa League again um so yeah I, I reckon that's how things are going to shape up um but what, what do you think is going to happen Joe yeah I mean I went to a Reading game on the weekend with a friend of mine Ben Warden actually from um the 11 podcast and disturbingly he thinks Arsenal will win the league and he's a bit more disconnected to it but I'm going to say you won't I'm going to say City are going to just pip you and then I am going to say, which is ridiculous, and I shouldn't say it, that Spurs are winning a trophy this year. We're probably going to lose in the FA Cup tonight now. I'm saying FA Cup, it's ours. I'm feeling it. Top four, we should get it. But really, this is the, I want I want to see Harry Kane lift a trophy for Spurs. I've, I've waited too long for that. Um, but John, you do have a bit more distance from Spurs and Arsenal. Yeah. What is happening with both clubs? What What's your take? It's a great question. I think... Arsenal are going to well. I think Arsenal are going to do it first and foremost, and I also kind of want them to do it. Oh um, no, Joe! Uh, oh, much no. your despise, probably Joe. I'm just sort of 
I'm I'm one of those football fans. I've got no real attachment to the Premier League in any sort of way, but obviously you can't take your eyes off the Premier League. It's always there. It's the best league in the world. So I follow it, you know, loosely. And I'm just sort of sick of Man City winning it and Man City dominating. And, you know, they won it last year with no real out-and-out striker. And now they've just signed probably the best up-and-coming striker in the world. Uh, so it would be rather humorous, in my opinion, if they didn't win it. And also, like, I don't know, I've always sort of, Arsenal's sort of a nice club, aren't they, you know? That's, that's, that's they, really my main, my main reason uh, for, uh, for John, I was enjoying good. listening to my new football club. I might have to... Uh, I might have to no, no. I, I, it's lost a view, yeah. I'll forgive, um, I'll forgive you for that. But yeah, Tottenham. Have you got any good news for Tottenham? Or what, what, what were you thinking? Definitely not the Champions League, unfortunately. Oh, God. That's, <laughs> a, that's a no-go. Although, no, no, definitely not the Champions League. Um, F- FA Cup's your best bet for a trophy, isn't it? And like, I, I agree with you. I'd like to see Harry Kane lift something for Tottenham. He's, he's definitely earned that right. Fantastic. Now that that's more like it, John. I like that. Um, <laughs> we do always as well. We have it. We always throw a little ice break, break a question in just before we get into it. And um, look, John, as as we all know now, you're an Exeter City fan. Exeter are the Grecians. So we're going to give you a bit of time to think about this. But the icebreaker question today is: What is your favourite Greek myth? So whilst you think about that, Kai, what is your favourite Greek myth? So my favourite Greek myth is untypically it's not a particularly ancient one but but it is a good one um it's the story of um the greek hero angelos karasteas and and the greeks who beat cristiano ronaldo's portugal to win euro 2004 and i like to think you know that typically myths um you know they are based at least on partial truths perhaps um i know that this one's pretty far-fetched um but i, I do like to think that it maybe it did actually happen i have some distant vivid memory of it but um, who, who knows? Maybe it was just a fever dream. But but how about you, Joe? Favorite Greek myth? God, yeah. Um, I did quite like Karagounis back in the day. But he, I think he scored in that opening game against Portugal. Um, uh, I mean, I like the Disney film Hercules. That was a, that's a good Disney film. So let, let's go with Hercules. Why not? That could, that could be my one. And John, I mean, I, I'd I'd like to say you've had a lot of time to think about this. It's not it's not been much, but you are a Grecian after all. So yeah, what Ooh. is your favorite Greek myth? Favorite Greek myth is is Medusa a Greek myth? Yeah, I think. Oh so. yeah, yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Th- I quite like the the idea of that. Not being able to look anyone in the eyes and sort of just you know freezing <laughs> them in time. Could, you got got a lot of power there. <laughs> but she was she was a Gorgon. Is that was, yeah? Yeah, was, Gorgon you know, Medusa. Gorgon. Was it Perseus? Was the Gorgon Slayer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm like, or like I don't know, is Percy Jackson a? Is, or is that a film? I don't He's know. Light- <laughs> that's something to do with a lightning thief, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> is, is he is he a Greek myth? I don't know. I don't know. But I think there's some crossover with the yeah. Percy Jackson stuff, but haven't haven't seen it and don't think I'll be doing any extra research after this podcast. <laughs> Percy Jackson sounds like someone that could have played for Exeter at some point. Yeah, that. there probably there probably has been a Percy Jackson played right back for Exeter City at some point. <laughs> Well, we've we've made it through our Greek myths, and we're going to tie things back to the modern day Grecians, I suppose, uh, shortly. Uh, but to kick things off properly, John, with all of our guests, we like to get a bit of a flavor for how it was that they kind of fell into the the football lifestyle, how they came to love the beautiful game in the first place. So, taking things way back to your childhood, if that is where it started, um, what are some early memories, perhaps, that you have of watching football, playing football, and kind of beginning to become involved and a fan of Exeter City? Yeah, so for me, it sort of it all. I was, I think, I went to my first game at two years old. I was taken to my first game at two years old. I obviously, don't remember it. I think my, we were in the conference at the time. My dad said it was an awful game, um, but he, I just sort of sat there, played with some toy cars, apparently, and that was my first ever game. The first like memory I have. Is um I don't know how familiar you are with Exeter City Stadium, but it used to be an old grandstand on that far side as you look at it from the uh from the Doval or whatever it is now the Selco stand. And I remember coming out the first the first like vivid memory I have is coming out and just big inflatable ball coming down and sort of smack like smacking me and I was like whoa like I was I can't have been much more than six six years old something like that. And I remember sitting there and I just couldn't take my eyes off it. I was just sat still and like for a six-year-old or whatever I was at the time, it's quite unusual to sort of sit still and watch it, but I was engrossed. I couldn't couldn't take my eyes off it. And then to be fair, I didn't have much of a choice in being taken to football, but my dad always says like, you know, you're never forced. You you genuinely always asking me to go and you wanted to to be there. Um, So yeah, then when we moved, I, I, lived, I was born in Spain. So I was sort of going here and there and everywhere. 
um, you know, to, to sort of different different games when I could, when we were over Christmas time, that kind of stuff. Um, and then when I we moved when we moved over permanently when I was seven years old, I got my first half season ticket for Christmas. And that's when I and then since then, from seven from whatever I was, seven, eight years old, I've had a, a season ticket my whole life until I obviously moved away for uni. But yeah, I just absolutely felt felt like football exercise is the most important thing in my life, highest priority rank. Every, it determines my mood every single day. I'm on Twitter. We're, we're looking at things. I'm looking at things. And like, as I've become, I don't know what the appropriate word is, but I guess more involved in the club and you start to learn people and know people and care for people that are involved, then that adds another level because when you're winning, I always use this analogy, when you're winning as a, as you know, I'm still a regular fan, but when you know what a win means to the people behind the scenes, and like what promotion relegation means to the backroom staff and wages and this that the other you know like it's people's you know it's people's salaries that like the are the ones i always think about are like the media team and those like the, the ones that work in the back office the ones that aren't on you know the big football bucks how, how important the football club succeeding and doing well is to them because it's their livelihood but yeah just just you know i'm in a very pri- privileged position to sort of know the manager now and know Julian Tag, who's like the club president, Nick Hawker, chairman. I know all these different people. I know what it means to them. So, uh, uh, although it is still ninety minutes of football on a Saturday, it means a heck of a lot more than, than just that. Oh yeah, and I mean, partly why people love Exeter City so much, both locals and far and beyond people like me, I guess, is to, there is a real community spirit to that club. And I mean, yeah. yeah, you're you're very much a part of that, John. But you mentioned there, so when you know you sort of permanently came down to Devon or whatever when you were seven you had that season ticket um in those first couple of years of going to um Exeter City as as a little kid do you have like a is there a particular game that stands out and if so why yeah I remember there's there's quite a few actually a lot a lot of the games that stand out to me more for, for some reason are away games uh went because those are those are sort of the times that I spent really spending my dad it's me my dad and my brother and we go and we do these away trips and they're the best, you know, like doing all these different football quizzes to pass the time on the way up and stuff. So I guess I'll, I'll give you a home and an away game. The away game that stands out to me, I don't know how old I would have been. I must have been like 12 or 14, something around that age. And we went to Luton, to Kenilworth Road. And they, I think they were just newly in the league or been in the league a couple of seasons. We went 2-0 down. It was pouring down with rain. It was miserable. You have to walk up some dodgy back steps to get into this away end. It was like like it's a classic. Have you ever been to Kenilworth? If you ever have the chance to go to Kenilworth Road, I've, I've, I've been to see Exeter actually. Yeah, I went. Yeah. I went on a day pouring down. Yeah, we lost one nil. I think back a few oh. years back. Yeah. God, yeah. I, I'd urge anyone to go because that I was what I would call a proper English football ground. Like beautiful. It's a shame that I think they're leaving at the end of the season, which is a shame because they real? I didn't know that. Where they? My, do you know where they're going? I think they, they've bit like they built a new one. I don't know where oh, it's going to be, but they they built that. a new one. Um, and that yeah. That is that was a thing of beauty. Yes, we went 2-0 down. It's pouring down with rain. I was miserable. I remember thinking, oh, we've traveled all the way to London, and that's four and a bit hours for us. Um, and then we turned it around 3-2. And it was like that was my first ex- experience of like pure like jubilation. I couldn't believe it. Like, I didn't think those kind of feelings you could ever feel. And then my home game would probably be oh, there's a few. There's a few really good ones. There's obviously the Ollie Watkins against Plymouth, where he scored that unbelievable strike. Like absolute thing of beauty scored two that game actually but the one that sticks out to me when I was a little bit younger sort of one of my earlier memories is um actually Exeter City versus Scunthorpe they were flying they were like 13 14 games unbeaten and we needed to win to have a chance or to stay up and we beat them and they they still got promoted so we were both celebrating on the pitch their fans were on the pitch our fans were sort of trying to not be on the pitch but sort of on the pitch I remember Um, that game I was I was at you I think didn't Craig Woodman score Craig Woodman scored scored a really good goal in that game yeah from miles out they laid it to him off the free kick and left footed straight to the top left hand I couldn't believe it um so that's yeah that's probably one of my favorite games yeah definitely it's been fun for me via Joe and, um, you know, the rest of the sort of Exeter City related guests that we've we've had on the podcast to sort of learn so much and, and hear these names. Uh, was it Craig Woodman? Like, yeah. means means nothing to me. But yeah. you know, I love it. I love that he someone laid off a free kick to him at Luton and he just smacked it in. <laughs> or oh, sorry, against yeah. Gunthorpe, whatever it was. But yeah. um, no, fantastic. We've spoken a bit, obviously, just now about some nice memories about um, about Exeter City, but sort of looking towards the future and something that the club has been notorious for 
especially in sort of recent years, is the the youth academy and the the production line and the development that goes on um, at Exeter City. So, you know, we, we you know Ollie Watkins obviously was a name that just came up. He's currently on a record breaking streak for Aston Villa in the Premier League in terms of goal scoring. Um, but but focusing on the current crop at Exeter. Um, you know, besides Ollie Watkins in the past, Matt Grimes has come through, Ethan Ampadu, Ben Christine, who's also uh, with Villa as well. But in your opinion, John, who who's going to be the next player to move up the league uh, from, you know, League One with Exeter? I, you know, ideally with, with the club, at least for a little bit longer, but perhaps maybe going to get poached sooner rather than later. Wow, that is, that is a, a really good question, because I think there's a few. There's a few in that first team that are, well, are probably going to go. Um, I'll, I'll I'll give you the two standouts because I think these two are so so good. Can easily play a level above. One of them is Archie Collins. The that kid is something special. Genuinely goes so under undervalued. He goes gets looked overlooked so much because he does he doesn't do you know fancy tricks here and there. But he is technically superb. Works incredibly hard. And in fact, he is what makes this current Exeter City side tick. We're luckily enough to have found a sort of old replacement right now in, in Kevin McDonald. But he is what makes this side tick at the moment. It, the, everything goes through him. You see him drop deep and Gary Caldwell screaming, give it to Archie, give it to Archie. It all goes through him. So that's the first one. I think he'll be playing in the championship. If it's not at the end of this season, definitely next season. Well, his contract runs out with us at the end of the season. So we'll see what happens there. Um, and the other one for me, who I, I genuinely think, if he keeps going the way he is, he'll probably end up being a, a Premier League centre-half, and that's Alex Hartridge. He is so impeccably good in the air, it's ridiculous. I've never, I don't think I've seen him lose an aerial duel. Um, and he's physical, he's quick, he's big, he's built, he's strong. And not only that, he's left-footed, which is an incredible, incredible sought-after thing in this in the transfer market in football. If you're if you're good and left, you, you get a lot of further in your career just for being left-footed than than any talent. So, uh, yeah, le- lefties are hard to come by, especially good ones. Yeah, Josh Josh McEachern is a great example of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like is he a professional footballer anymore? We we don't know. <laughs> He's got yeah. a left foot. Go on, Joe. <laughs> yeah, God. Well, you know, um, I'm just surprised you didn't call um Kevin McDonald um MC Donald or whatever. It seems oh, to be yeah. David Earl's um it's his thing, which we, we don't need to go into. But yeah, I guess the only other guy I'd throw into the mix is maybe Josh Key. I know he's he's had he's been linked in the past and he's um he can get up and down that pitch very well. But yeah, I've got to say Archie Collins is someone I really enjoy watching. And you know what? He's scored a few goals this year as well. He's adding adding that to yeah. his game as well, which um it's you know only a good thing for Exeter and potentially other teams in future. But let's quickly talk about um, this season, Exeter City. I mean, we're in we're back in League One, which is great. It was ten years um, without League One football, so it's good to be back. We're twelfth in the league, which is absolutely fine. I know David L again probably doesn't like the mid table, but for me, for this season, I think it's fantastic. But you know, there's been there's been ups and there's been downs. We obviously won on the weekend. Um, against Cambridge, but before that, there had been a little bit of a poor run of form. So, for you this season, John, what has gone right so far, and what's gone wrong? Yeah, well, first of all, uh, with what's gone right, because we'll start with the positives. It's better to end on the negatives, in my opinion. Get them out, <laughs> get them out last. Um, but to be to be honest, we've just the 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 main positive was keeping everyone at the at the start the start of the season not losing anyone over the summer you know bar Cameron Dawson who was on loan um, we kept everybody we kept the squad together and we we well it looked like at the start we were going to give it a right good go and try and sort of you know be up in those playoff spots at least unfortunately that hasn't quite happened but we play some really nice stuff we control most games that's those are the main positives it's just been a bit more clinical and I think. With time and with players learning the division and understanding, you know it's a it's a it's a, it's a big step up from League One or from League Two to League One. I, a lot of people sort of underwrite the step up sometimes, but the teams at the top of this division are top quality. You know, you could argue a lot of that top six should be in the Championship. Um, so yeah, that those are the positives. In terms of the negatives, I think it's just con- the only thing is consistency. If you listen to me on the pod, you'll you hear me say it every week the difference between a good team in League One. And a, and a bad team or a team that's going to finish mid-table has been able to produce those results consistently. Because if you look who's top Sheffield Wednesday, when we played them at home, we played them off the park. We were by far the better team, but we still drew. So 
It's about being able to grind that result, being able to grind that results consistently and trying to perform at that level that they can play at because we've seen it uh, more consistently. And that that's the main negative for me. Yeah, no, I think, I think I'd agree with that. I mean, look, it's a very strong League One, like you said, and actually the fact that Exeter were even within a playoff shout, and you never know, maybe, yeah. maybe, just maybe, um, maybe maybe we'll get there. But um, also, quickly, it's been an interesting season as well because Matt Taylor left um, early on. His his hard work was rewarded. He got the um, the job up at Rotherham. Um, but we've now got Gary Caldwell, which I guess is a, a break from the kind of managers who are very connected to the club. Um, I I think he's done a good job, Gary Caldwell. And I know um, you said you sort of had the opportunity to speak to him too. What, how did you kind of feel about that appointment when it was made? Because the one thing I would say about it, well, I'm not against it. It didn't feel very extra city. Um, so yeah, how, what, what's your whole feelings on the Gary Caldwell um, tenure so far, Ben? Yeah, well, it's, it's a really interesting question. I think, let's be honest, the name originally didn't excite anyone, did it? You know, Gary Caldwell, you're thinking to yourself, oh, sort of the last two jobs he's had, he's not done very well at. Um so how has he sort of stepped into a team that's sort of doing well in League One and and pushing for those playoff spots at the time? I think I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think he's been really good, really solid. He's done what he's needed to. He's steadied the ship. He needs to get a, his own sort of big transfer window in. I think the players he's brought in already seem to have improved the team massively. You look at, I'll call him MC Donald for, for your purposes. And if you look at Dimitri Mitchell and... So, these players are, are, are good players, good quality players. I think James Scott still got a lot to show as well. So he's obviously got a, an ability to attract people. Joe White, the golden child, as uh, David refers to him, a really good loan signing. Looks like he could play at this level or, or higher already, uh, which is which is good. I, th- I think, first of all, he just needs time. But I think the important thing to understand from an outsider looking in is that football fans are extremely fickle most are you know one minute you're on top of the world next minute you're calling for the manager to to be to be sacked uh I'm, I'm in the privileged position where I sort of hear things and from what I heard his interview process was immaculate it was literally top score unbelievable like the amount of research he'd watched every Exit City game two or three times over from that season already he knew sort of everything um so yeah, in my in my head, you know, like I said, because I, I, I know more than maybe some people, the appointment made sense. But from the, I can see why from the outside looking in, it didn't, you know, set the world alight. But yeah, I agree. He's done. He's done. He's done well. Just moving on for a moment from uh, Gary Caldwell. A very quick question before we get into uh, some some different conversation. Um, you both brought his name up. Um, I remember him, you know, most from I believe his time at was it Burnley and then definitely at Wolves. Uh, Kevin McDonald. Uh, or MC Donald, I, I believe. Uh, I think he might have just recently had a, was it a liver transplant? I, I, something yeah, I think bizarre. He had a, oh, yeah, a kidney yeah. transplant or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He, he so it's the game for for a few for a while. Definitely an interesting one on many levels. But as a fan of <clears throat> Exeter City, um, you know, you mentioned it, you know, previously when we sort of started uh, this this podcast about you know not being associated with the Premier League so closely, but obviously. You know he's he's not in his heyday necessarily, Kevin McDonald, but he, he's he's in League One now. When you get a player that has got that experience um, at international level as well as Premier League, um, again he's not maybe as quick as he used to be, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But what is it about him or a certain type of player that has had that experience when they do come and play for you know a League One side? What what do you notice in particular? What separates them technically or mentally from the rest of the players in the team? So, so firstly, technically, super, like, incredible. In comparison to the average League One footballer, sort of touch is always right. The ball, when it bounces off his foot, it's always into the right place. They're always looking to be positive. Um, I think the, the the real value in Kevin McDonald is not necessarily what you see on the pitch. I think it's what happens off it on the training ground, the, the experience he can pass on to, to the younger lads. Because, like you said, his body is obviously not there. He's how I don't know what how old he is off the top of top of uh, my head but he's like you said he's not in his heyday um so his body's sort of giving up on him a little bit football wise uh so it's the, the young uns who have got to sort of run around and do his is is tracking and they're they're gonna learn they're gonna learn off a player like kevin mcdonald he's been there like you said played at the top level for a long time been an international like i, I think kevin mcdonald's value like i said is more in what he brings off it to the youngsters than on it but yeah even on it right now i don't know if you saw his goal on the weekend sort of found himself brought himself into space 
went dropped dropped it to him on the edge of the box and just curled it into the top right. And he just stood there as if it was like, oh, I'll do this every week, sort of thing. And and that's that's what what those players had on the pitch. Yeah, I mean Kevin McDonald, yeah, or M. I shouldn't have started this. MC Donald, um, <laughs> he he definitely brings a touch of class to that team, like you said, not just on the pitch, but perhaps even more importantly off it. And yeah, extra, all the better for him being there. But we've got, well, we'll see if it'll be a quick game or not. Um, <laughs> basically, it's the FA Cup tonight when we're recording. And what we sometimes do on the podcast, a little bit, we haven't done it for a while, is we will pick some teams from the past and you will have to kind of guess the starting eleven, essentially. So yeah, it's quite it's gonna be quite tough. Wow. But um we've got an extra city team from the FA Cup and an Arsenal team from the FA Cup. So again, you might it might be that you kind of have to focus on one of each. But we'll start with um we'll start with Exeter City. I've got I've got two games for you, John. So you can choose from either game. Okay. Could either name the starting, well, try and name the starting 11 from when Exeter drew two all with Liverpool a few years back in the FA Cup third round? Or slightly more recently, you can go for when Exeter lost to West, well, then Premier League side West Brom in the FA Cup. Is there, is there, a, is there a game you'd rather give a go? I reckon I could give a good go for that Liverpool two all. Cool. Okay, we're going to go with Liverpool two all. Kai, I would definitely say help out if you can, but it might be a little tricky for you. Um, but let's see. Let's see how John can do here, and then we're going to move on to Arsenal after that. So yeah, John, this is um from January twenty sixteen. It was obviously two all. What was the starting eleven for Exeter City? Right. I actually, you know what? I reckon I'm going to get a few more than I'm going to get credit for. Go for it. So I think captain on the night was David Noble. Yeah, there you go. You got one. He was yeah middle of the park. Goalkeeper Bobby Olesnik. Good old Bobby. Yeah, I like Bobby Lesnick. Yeah, Troy Brown back. start at the back. Troy Brown did start at the back, yeah. Jamie Reid. Jamie Reid did play, yeah. He actually scored in the FA Cup yeah. against Villa this year, actually, as well. Yeah, for, for Tom Steve. Tom Nichols. Yeah, the Gillingham strike himself. He was up front. Lee Holmes. Yeah, he scored the corner, didn't he, in the game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. Craig, Craig Woodman. Yeah, Craig Woodman, who we mentioned already. He did play. No goal. Uh, Aaron Davies played that day. I know because he slipped you know up. what? He did, but he was a sub. So he, he was a sub. Start. Oh. Yeah. He started in the replay, I believe, but not in that game. So you've still got, you've got a centre-back, a right-back, um, one midfielder, and then a kind of wide man. centre-back? Oh, Jordan Moore-Taylor? Yeah, there you go. You've done well. You've done uh, well. What, what was the other position? So you've got a right-back. Yeah. Um, you've got a kind of defensive midfielder. And then you've got a kind of attacking mid wide man kind of. So yeah, you got three of them there. Right back. Who played right back? Oh, Christian Ribeiro. Yeah, I and mean, I, you know what? I used to. I thought he was brilliant, Ribeiro for Exeter. Yeah, he was, he was really hot. good player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just got you're doing very well. You have got two more. So you have got the defensive mid, and then yeah, the sort of sort of attacking mid wide man. I'll call him. I could be wrong, but yeah. Defensive mid. He's one of your own. Oh, I do know Jordan Tilston. Yeah, there Tilson, you go. Tilson, yeah, yeah. There you go. I must admit, I, he, I mean, look, I don't want to, I don't want to criticize. I was never as convinced by Jordan, but you know, he, he was a good servant to the club. Okay, you got, you got one more left, John. I remember when Jordan Tilson played free with a broken foot. In yeah, one he was tough. He was yeah, definitely tough. tough cookie, yeah. Oh, attacking sort of midfielder. Score would score a few goals around this time. He definitely would contribute with some goals. Um, oh, Ryan Harley, good shout, but no, let me see if I can. There's one clue I could give you that would probably give it away too easily. I'll, I'll tell just you see what, if I've done goes. all right here. I've done all right here. That is it. That is, yeah, bad. So, he the clue I'll give you is the club he played. He doesn't, he's retired now. This guy, the club he played for after Exeter was Barnet. I don't know if that will help, but. Is that is that giving you anything, John? I feel like it should do. Oh, this is gonna. Oh, the fact that I've named all ten except for one is really. You know what? I'm gonna give you one more clue, and I Go think on. I'm gonna hope this is gonna see you through. He, albeit spelt differently, has the same surname as someone else that was playing in this team. I know that this. Maybe this will even throw you, but I'm hoping that will. I'm guessing that it's is it this is it match with Reed? It's not, no. But oh. you're you're in the right part of the pitch. 
Oh, I can't. I don't know. You're gonna have to tell me. I can't. Oh think. god, god. Well, you got. You know, you got ten, which is impressive. It was Alex Nichols. Oh no, <laughs> my, that's one of my dad's. He used to love Alex Nichols. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, what well, year you know, was that game? What was that? Sorry. What year was that game? That was 2016. So we're talking over seven years ago now. A long time oh, ago. That's not bad. I was I was 15 then. So. Yeah, you've done you, you've done well. You've done very well. So that was Exeter's third round tie in 2016. But Kai. I want you to name the starting lineup from when Arsenal beat Sunderland 3 1 in 2016 in the FA Cup third round. Um, yeah, I, I don't think you knew you were going to do this. So this is going to be interesting to see, uh, <laughs> see how many you can get. Um, far away when ready. And yeah, John, if you, if you want to help out, go for it too. Yikes. All right. Well, why not start with the goalkeeper, I guess? Yeah. This yeah, would have yeah. either been <clears throat> maybe the days still was Fabianski knocking about. No, I think he's, I think he's long gone. I mean, Emilio Mar- Emiliano Martinez kind of like had a bit of a spell in, in cup games, but he didn't really burst through until uh, Leno got injured. So it probably wasn't, wasn't him the, either. He wasn't even in the squad. It was a Matt Macy on the subs bench that day. On the bench. Yikes. Um, all right. Chesney, was Chesney around in 2016? I think again, I think he's gone off to Roma potentially uh, at this point. Is um, is it like someone who was had a bit of longevity oh, at the club or were they just a random? Yeah. He's a very famous goalkeeper, but he wasn't oh, at okay. Arsenal that long. I definitely don't know then. I was going right, to say we might, we might have to move on from the. Yeah, I think you 100% know him, but let's, yeah, let's move on. Okay. Gosh, it, it's all a blur, you know. Um, let, let's let's just throw some some random names about, perhaps, um, who weren't very good, <laughs> realistically. Um, Alexis uh, Sanchez must have been starting that day. He was not. But what I would say is don't overthink it too much because it wasn't like some insanely weird team. It was like a squad team, but you'll you'll know all these guys. Okay, okay. Yaya Sonogo? <laughs> no, again, like I'd say, yeah, not not, not that kind of random. <laughs> okay, okay. Was he playing? He, he wasn't playing. No, well, he certainly wasn't starting. Um, Theo Walcott? Yeah, there you go. We're off hey. the mark. Theo Walcott, <laughs> perfect. Um, why not throw the ox in as well? Yeah, there you go. He was playing. Okay. Koscielny? What was that, John? Koscielny. Yeah, there we go. Three on three there. We like that. Murtasaki. Nope, he was not there. Okay, okay. Um, Trying to think of right backs around Oh, I know time. who the goalkeeper is, I think. Oh, yeah, go for it. It's not Petr Cech, is it? It is. There we go. We've got four. We've got four out of 11. Seven to go. Aaron Ramsey. No, I know he was a big FA Cup guy for Arsenal, but no, not in this game. Right, let's throw a few. Cockerland? Left back called. No, 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 Cockerland. Moreno? Moreno? No, what was the left back called? The left Pacho back. Real. No, that's Ooh. a very good shot. It wasn't him, but it's another. it was a guy who played a lot at left back for Arsenal. Yikes. I have like a massive gap in my memory between like Gail Clichy and Nacho Monreal. And I know there were sev- several left backs in between. <laughs> he was kind of like the heir to Clichy in some ways, I guess. Oh, Armand Traore? No, no. Oh. Hey, I don't know. I don't know if I could call him the heir. I mean, he uh... go get the right back, the right back you'll get. He's a Bellerin? Yeah, there you go. You've got him. Okay. Um, then the other centre back plays in the league that Bellerin's from. Now Spain, okay. <laughs> Plays in La Liga. Gabriel Paulista. Yeah, there we go. So you basically we've got one, two, three, four, five left. Now the striker, incredibly famous, still playing. Olivier Giroud. There we go. Yeah. Then of the two other attacking sort of players behind the strike, you haven't got one of them still plays in the Premier League, not for Arsenal, and the other is a bit of a bit random but i think potentially could have even played at the world cup just in qatar just now christ um god this is hard this is hard i mean I, yeah, I didn't, yeah. you know you, you, you know you got to throw these things at you we've been a bit of a revolving door club with sort of names recently just so many different players did we, we did we did the right back okay um we said striker and sort of attacking midfielders one of them's still playing in the premier league one of them might have played at the, the world cup um it will be yeah, yeah. Okay. You've only got three players left now. You've got the left back, who I think, if you don't overthink it, you'll get it, which I know is mm. not. Then mm. the centre mid isn't really typically a centre mid. I think of him more as a defender for Arsenal or right back, but he doesn't play for Arsenal anymore. And then, yeah, the other one is a slightly rogue attacking midfielder striker who um, 
is from isn't from Europe or well, he's from he's from sort of North America region, uh, Central America. Central America. Central America. I mean, is he from Mexico or is he from somewhere else? No, he's from somewhere else. The other the other team in the World Cup that was sort of from that Central bit. American. I mean, Colombia didn't make it. Ecuador did. No, more think more like Taylor Navas. <laughs> Costa Rican. Oh, Joel Campbell. Wow. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. There we go. Wow. Yeah, and this then, is a like not a good team. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then the final two players, both English. I think one plays in the MLS now, and the other one plays for Unai Emery. At Villa. This is the one who was a right back. Oh, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Or okay, no, I was gonna say Callum Chambers. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. He was yeah. playing centre mid that day, and now you've just got the left back. I didn't think he'd be the final guy, actually. How interesting. He's sort of a bit of a mainstay as as a left back would sort of would rotate with Monreal, um, and then left. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure plays in the MLS now. I'm, I like. I it's gonna hurt me so much when I. Yeah. Well, John <laughs> got John got ten. Um, can you get this final one? I know John sort of ably helped you with this as well, but yeah, Goodness. left back English. English left back MLS actually ma- made appearances for Arsenal. Oh, I've got it. Yeah, Kieran Gibbs. There we go. See, you know, I thought you know. Okay, fair funny. enough. Fair it's enough. Funny the ones that, um, yeah, they, they, there you go. You know, I thought you know. We, I think you both, you guys did well. It's always good fun looking at these random teams. I know it's what you like fun. doing. So cool, fantastic. Yeah, no. Cheers for sorting those, Joe. I am honestly a bit embarrassed that I, I didn't do better, but it was it was a dark period in the history of Arsenal, which we're finally <laughs> finally days, dragging right. ourselves. Yeah, I bet. But I, it's only yeah. only recently that we're kind of seeing the light, as as it were, uh, at Arsenal. So it's yeah, it's actually nice to hear those names because we've come a long way, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, although there's you know some decent internationals in there, but not necessarily in their uh, in their prime. But moving on, um, we've spoken about. Um, your relationship with Exeter City and this is going to be tangentially linked to that but also with regards to you know how you um, produce media within that space and um, and all of your passion towards Exeter City how you kind of like put that out for for the rest of us to consume and we're going to be talking about your podcasting as well as your commentary but beginning with the podcasting John how was it that you initially got involved um, with the My New Football Club podcast. Obviously, you know, initially, I believe it was David Earl and Joe Wilkinson. Um, is it, you know, beyond how you got involved, this is a bit of a double part question, kind of surreal to be, you know, talking with um, uh, with David, you know, quite a famous actor about Exeter City on, on a weekly basis. Um, how, yeah, how did it come about? And um, how have you kind of transitioned from joining to where you're at now? Yeah, so it's actually a really, really good story. So I remember... Joe and David set the podcast up. I can't. It must. I don't. I can't remember when. I think it was a little bit into the season, and I, I was. I just moved to Manchester at the time. I think all my parents had just come up for the first time, and my dad went, "Oh, you seen this on Twitter?" And I was like, "Oh, yeah, sort of seen it." But it, it, no one believed it. No one thought it was real. And then they put out an episode, and everyone was like, "Oh my god, what the hell is going on?" So then it was about five or six episodes in. They put out a tweet on the Mind Football Club account going. Look, we don't know enough about Exeter City. We need someone to come on as a as a stato as it was originally, but it sort of evolved into something bigger than that. Um, so they put that tweet out, and randomly, my uncle doesn't use Twitter at, like very rarely. Use scrolls through, you know, like but doesn't tweet or anything. My uncle replied with a message, sort of saying, "Oh, John Beers, your guy." And at the time, I was I just come off the trust board I'd been doing the BBC work well I've been working for the BBC since I was 16 so I'd been doing that for about two or three years and they sort of they looked at my profile picture and you know what Dave is like he's very he's a looks-based man isn't he likes um you know what people look like uh, and I had sort of had a I think my profile picture at the time was me with a top hat and a radio mic and I was by the pitch and he was like right that's that's the guy so he DM me got me on and I did one episode I remember thinking before the episode I thought I would be like a lot more nervous than I was, you know, like, like J- Joe is a really big name in the UK, sort of, you know, a household name. Um, and and D- David is becoming much the same now um, with all the, the great stuff he's doing with, you know, Brian and Charles and things like that. But I thought I'd be ridiculously nervous. And I remember waking up and I was fine. I was so confident. I'm so confident in my knowledge um, of Exeter City and I'm, I back myself to be a, a relatively good 
speaker for my age. So I was sort of pretty relaxed. I sort of thrived. And I remember Joe Wilkinson put out a tweet after that first episode and he sort of said, please come on every week. So then literally after that, I was on every single week. Um, and then the role eventually evolved. I was sort of coming on with stats and things like that. But I think Joe and David realised that I maybe had a bit more to to offer than just sort of dishing out stats here and there and started coming on for longer periods of time on the pod. Like at the beginning, I was only doing like the last sort of 15 minutes of the pod. And then I sort of started being on it from the start. And eventually Joe became ridiculously busy. Obviously, you know, it's difficult for Joe to talk about Exeter City in a like you know he's not got no he's he's barely got any interest in uh in Gillingham bless him so to to take an interest in Exeter City which seems so far away from him was hard so I think he was busy with work so the, the right decision or the 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 sort of logical decision was to sort of let him take a step back and David sort of asked me to to co-host and I'd you know jumped at that like how often does someone my age get the opportunity to be on a podcast of that caliber I mean. Since I've been co-host, it's just sort of like been ridiculous. Like it's, it's gone like my Twitter following has gone through the roof. Like in comparison to what it was, like I was you know 150 followers to sort of like 3,000 nearly like overnight. Um, and yeah, it's it's been a really surreal experience. It's not as surreal speaking to. I th- I, I would re- really consider David a, a really good friend, and we we text all the time, and he's always looking out for me and looking out for what's best for me and, and things like that. But yeah, at the beginning, it was definitely a bit like, whoa. And, my, and all my friends are the same. Like my friends see the uh, eight out of 10 cats do countdown clips of Joe and, the, you know, he's got all my mates in stitches. So to, to to say that I've doing, I was doing a podcast with him and David for a, for a while was quite surreal. But not only that, the guests we've had on, you know, like Rob Beckett, these kinds of people, uh, Jack, mate, more recently, my mates were like, that's unbelievable. Like, for us, that is our childhood. Like watching Jack Mate's videos and his podcast is uh, is really good. Or Josh Widdicombe, those kinds of people. That's that's what I enjoy the most is speaking to all these different characters that I would never have ever spoken to if it wasn't for for David randomly choosing Exeter City. So apologies, that's a bit of a long winded answer, but yeah, that's that's sort of how it sums up how I feel. No, it's great, and you know the dynamic between you and David is great, and yeah, you know you're you're a co-host of this podcast now, a very very successful football podcast, which for me is great because having be you know extra city is a is, is a second team to me now and it's honestly yeah i look forward to the sort of you know the sunday morning show you do and all the and the interviews like you said so you've sort of answered my question but you do a lot of interviews the jack mate one i, I listened to the max rushton one recently yeah. you know the, is there are you, so would is, is jack mate kind of the the most memorable one or is there one in particular that was a bit of a, a pinch me moment yeah, Jack, Jack, mate, one I was uh, before. I met we, I, we, me and David often talk in the Zoom call before uh, the guest comes in, and I was thinking like this is this 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 for me is, was the biggest one in terms of like I watch this person every single day. I watch all his podcast clips. I watch everything to do. I love all the stuff he does. He works at West Ham now on their channel and does all of their stuff, and I watch all of that. I think he's funny. Um, uh, that was that was the most like sort of like wow. Jack mate was like in front of me on my screen and it was like it felt like I was watching a YouTube video of him but I was you know I could interact it was that was really surreal but I wouldn't say it was my my favorite episode I think one of my favorite episodes is probably the the Charlie Baker one that the, he's a talk sport host and a, a big talk fan and we sort of we clicked through sort of like not liking each other's teams but we were sort of amicable and it was really funny. Some of the chants he was coming up with on that pod about Exit City were, uh, were quite hilarious. So, yeah, in, in terms of the one I enjoyed the most was was probably Charlie Baker. But the pinch me moment was definitely Jack Mate. And coming off the pod and texting my friends like that was ridiculous. And I'm really good friends with his um with his mate Alfie Indra, uh, who was obviously a, a, a prevalent part in his recent yeah tour. musician isn't he yeah, yeah. yeah musician and he's he's a really nice bloke and. Hoping that we'll uh we'll all well the plan is to to meet up at some point, which is gonna be that is really gonna blow my brains. <laughs> Use me, lost lost control of my my mouse pad for a moment. <laughs> I was thinking, yeah, I thought that the <laughs> The dogs are also just going off a bit. You can probably hear them in the background. Boogie's got his eyes on Zeus, like he he wants to initiate some pretty love, rough plays. So I'm gonna try to <laughs> keep them keep them calm in the background. Anyway, 
Um, you know, you make some good points, John, in terms of stuff, you know, Joe and I can also relate to with regards to podcasting and, you know, having guests that are exciting on and that sort of like pre-recording, um, you know, sort of moments where you're waiting for them to join and you're waiting for them for them to be in. And I think, you know, if it's in person, perhaps, you know, that would be a, a similarly like in a different way, a cool, cool experience, but it is quite yeah. something to sort of just inevitably sort of end up chatting with these people you know they're typically at home in you know some like you are right now like I am like Joe is some room in their house you're kind of getting let into sort of behind the scenes on one level but then they're also you know bridging the gap by being a guest on the podcast and it, it is a very cool experience and I think that you know you're quite new relatively as well to to the experience similarly similarly with joe and i you know we've been doing it for a minute but not not like we're vastly vastly experienced so it's it's a nice um era that we've kind of stepped into with regards to i think the pandemic kind of kicked it off people just being willing to make time for other people and and be guests and have these conversations and you know podcasting literally is just meeting people and, and having conversations if, if you have guests on the show so it's quite a special experience and i guess i'll just full circle say you know just thanks again for for, for joining us but we're not quite done i do have another question for you with regards to the to the podcasting or, or i should say sorry in comparison to the podcasting even because you, you also get up to some commentary for, for exeter city as well so in terms of you know two experiencing two experiences but you know still revolving around the same club for instance how, how do those compare and um do you have obviously you know we, we recently lost a legend of the the pod the uh not the podcasting game necessarily but of the the commentary game rather be, yeah. than john motson who knows what he was getting up to in his spare time maybe 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 some podcasting but um do you have a favorite commentator or anyone that has influenced you in one way or another i know i've yeah. kind of hit you over the head with a couple of questions there so yeah, to no, take a minute but that's good no favorite commentator is so easy for me peter drury i don't know if you've heard any of his stuff but uh, there's this one piece, and I really urge anyone who's listening and, and yourselves to to listen to it. It's the one where Costas Manolas scores against Barcelona to take Roma through. That's one of the best bits of commentary I've ever heard. Does um, he call him a gladiator or something? Yeah, he says like the Greek god in Rome. Something, something yeah. Like it's, it was like it's an unbelievable piece. I li- was listening to it. <laughs> uh, in terms of the comparison between podding and the radio, the similar the similarities for me is the the pressure. I don't feel like nervous, but there's a pressure to deliver um, on both. Uh, you sort of you you know. I think you guys or might not better relate, but for me, sort of podding is and and being a broadcaster is sort of be, being a little playing a little bit of a character, isn't it? It's a role. You sort of you're not. I don't speak to my mates how I would speak to you guys on the pod. It's sort of like a little bit more. You know, you're trying to articulate a little bit better. And that's the same on the radio. You've got to be so clear, so concise as to what's happening because people have to paint this picture in their head using your words. Um, Podding, especially for our pod, which is mainly audio, is exactly the same. You're trying to convey stories and emotions through words, trying to choose the right words uh, and not only choose them, but sort of choose them on an instant in front of you. You've not really got time to think sometimes. Um, But the, 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 the pressure that comes with live radio is something I absolutely love. I genuinely, it makes me so happy. I absolutely love it. Um, and all the research before, I'm a bit of a, a nerd as it is, but I just love researching other teams. I love it. I love finding out weird, crazy, stupid things that you can probably never going to use, but if you do need to use them there, they're there. I, I absolutely love it. So yeah, there's, they're definitely two different parallels and, they're definitely two different skill sets, but in many ways they are very, very similar. And I absolutely love doing them both equally as much. I, the pod has been so, like revolutionary for me. I've absolutely loved doing it. It's given me such a good opportunity. The amount of things I would wouldn't have done if it wasn't for the pod is uh, is ridiculous. And I've got David and Joe to thank for that. And and it also, you know, people at the BBC they didn't have to take a, a risk on me when I was sixteen. I sent that email saying oh, I'd like to do this, and they were just like, "Yeah, yeah, sure." You know, sort of like no, no qualms, and they didn't know whether I was going to be any good or whatever. It was a big risk from them. Uh, so there's a lot of people that, you know, if if my career ever goes any further, I'll have to thank. Yeah, I guess something interesting you you sort of brought up was sort of the live versus the not necessarily live aspect of the podcasting, and um, yeah, I'm very thankful for the opportunity to edit. I'll go right out and say that. Yeah, so. well, that, that's, that's the thing with, with me is that, you know, uh, sometimes things get said that probably aren't for uh, for public consumption and you cannot make that mistake on the radio. 
And as much as they uh, they like to, you know, pose some very difficult questions, the uh, the producers at the BBC, you know, in, in your ear and, and live on air, you know, they're trying to get you to say something that, you know, you, you they obviously know you know something or whatever it is. And you're just trying to be as professional and uh, as uh, as informative without giving away something you shouldn't. Whereas on the pod, you know, you can say something you can say to David later on, like, can you cut this, cut that and, and whatever. Often we don't. But, uh, you know, there'll be the odd occasion where something comes out and you think, right, it probably shouldn't go out. Yeah, no, I'm the king of like going off on tangents. So definitely be- better you than me when it comes to to live recording. But we do have, um, this might be an example, actually, <laughs> of what I've just mentioned. One quick game to kind of wrap things up with. Initially, I've sort of set it up for um, Joe John to be the only one um, answering, but I will bring Joe into it as well. We'll have, I guess, maybe an Exeter side of things and a, and a Tottenham Hotspur side of things as well. But it is time for this one last quick game now. And it is called Man in the Mirror which is a reference to one-time honorary director of Exeter City, if my research is correct. The King of Pop, Michael Jackson, I believe this was back in 2002, um, you know, before all of the... Um... Anyway, uh, John, you are the man in the mirror. Joe, you're going to be uh, one of the men in the mirror as well, I-, I-, I suppose. So you're going to have to take a deep look at yourself and answer these Michael Jackson-themed questions about Exeter City and then for Joe about Tottenham. So you guys ready? Yeah, yeah let's do it. Perfect. So this first question, they're all based on some of his song titles, is Beat It. So, John, which team do you get the most satisfaction out of Exeter City beating? Plymouth Argyle. No qualms, no questions, no queries. Always. I that's the. I remember one game, and I, I'll, I'll be quick. The day before my 18th birthday, we played Plymouth at home. And that night, the idea was to go out. As, as soon as it hits 12 o'clock, you're 18, you can go out partying whatever, you know, clubbing. And I remember my dad saying, God, I really hope we don't lose today because it's going to ruin your 18th birthday night out. You're not going to have a good night out. And we ended up beating them 4-0. It was one of the best games I've ever seen. Uh, so, yeah, that beating them is the best feeling ever, man. I love it. I think I'm going to probably it. like your answer a lot more than I'm going to like Joe's answer to beat <laughs> it. Um, do I even have to bother asking, Joe? No, Arsenal, 100%. Not that, not that we did it this year, but yeah, still, still yeah, Arsenal. <laughs> I might like Joe's answer to the next question even less, so I'll I'll delay that uh, and I'll I'll let John speak first. The uh the question or the 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 song title is Thriller. So what is the most thrilling Exeter City game that you've watched, John? Wow, um, easy one for me actually. Now that, now that it's crossed my mind, Exeter City versus Carlisle in the playoff semi final. Um. Carlisle had caused us all sorts of problems that season. We couldn't beat them. We couldn't see them off. And we ended up getting them in the playoffs. They beat us on the final day to get into the playoffs, I think. Um, and then we played them in the playoffs. And we were sort of two... I, th- I can't remember the scores off the top of my head. And I'm normally pretty good at that. But we were sort of two goals up up there. And they pulled us back to 2-2. And then we were two goals up in the semi-final at home. And they pulled us back to 2-2. And Ollie Watkins scored the most... Uh, no, sorry, Jack Stacey Jack scored Stacey, the yeah, incredible yeah, strike ever. Yeah to send us to Wembley and yeah that that one lives vividly in my mind because my dad's goal as an Exeter City fan was to always see us play at Wembley with both his kids and he'd gone with my brother but I'd never been and that sort of sealed us going to Wembley and my dad was like right that's it I've, I can I can die peacefully now so that was that was a big moment. Joe really yeah well actually I wasn't at the game but the, the Lucas Moura hat trick wow that was that was but yeah, well, probably one of them was probably when we beat Arsenal 2-1. Danny Rose scored the volley. Um, yeah, White Hart Lane erupted that night. So, yeah, that was that was pretty thrilling, um, especially because at the time not many people knew Danny Rose was. But, yeah, good times, good times. Lovely, lovely. We're going to move on to a couple more now, and the title of this next song is I Want You Back. So, John, which one Exeter City player would you take back at the club right now? I feel like the obvious answer is Ollie Watkins, but I don't want to go for that. I want to be a bit more, I want to think outside the box a bit more. I, I'd say Ethan Amperdeer. Good shout. I don't think he got enough time. To, I wanted to, I wanted to see him develop with us, like I do with all our academy players, before they go off. And I don't think he got enough time to play with us. So I, I think he'd, he'd fit nicely into our midfield. Let's 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 just say that. So Ethan Amperdeer for me. Joe, who do you want back? My head says Luka Modric because he's Luka Modric and he's class. 
my heart, even though he's retired, just because he was he was was probably like Dimitar Berbatov or something like that. That'd be great to see him again. But yeah, he's retired, so yeah, we'll go Luca. Yeah, fair enough. Either would be pretty decent, to be fair. Obviously, Luca's still bossing it. Uh, Berbatov, he's I don't think his class will ever fade. To be to be fair, he is a quality player. One of the one of the few Spurs players that I think. Well, I'll just say I can't speak for other Arsenal fans, but the guy was a pleasure to watch. To be fair, um, moving on, smooth criminal is another Michael Jackson hit song. Uh, going down a bit of an alternative route, Smooth Criminal. John, which Exeter City player is best at diving or just simulation, I suppose? Current Exeter City player or whatever? Um, I guess we won't limit it too much. Yeah, wh- whatever you feel like. I-, I think actually one of the best that we have is uh, Jack Sparks, who's currently playing. He's re- <laughs> whether Diving is a bit of a... Oh, I don't like the word <laughs> diving because it- I don't agree with it personally, but... He sort of, you know, he's knows how to get his body in the right position to be yeah. fouled, if you like. Let, let's yeah. go with that. He's one of the best I've seen. Really good. It wins you a foul when you're in a, like, a spot of bother or whatever. It just sort of goes down and referee always seems to give it. So I'd say Jack Sparks. Sparks. Joe, who's Tottenham's smoothest criminal? Lamella used to be. He was class um, <laughs> at that. Not, 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 not good at much else, but he was good at that. Um, again, I don't know if he... Kane is very clever as well. Kane's our sparks. That's all I'll say. Kane is <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I let's see. Don't stop till you get enough. What a banger that is. Um, so don't stop till you get enough. John, what does a satisfactory finish in League One look like for you this season? Tenth or above. Tenth or above for me would be would be really good. Uh, I think our highest ever finish is eighth. So to be in that top 10, especially given how competitive League One is this season and how competitive that top six is in particular, top 10 would be really, I'd be really proud of that. Joe, t- top 10 as well? Cool, thank <laughs> you. No. <laughs> what's what's enough for Spurs this season? You, you sort of mentioned it at the beginning, you'd like a trophy, it sounds like. But yeah, I guess I'll, I'll ask you one more time, go on. Trophy, but really satisfactory season is Arsenal not winning the league, then I can rest easy. <laughs> but it doesn't matter about Tottenham. <laughs> All right, and finally, a short name to a to a hit song of, of michael's bad john who's the worst exeter city player oh wow well, i don't know if this is a conflict of interest to an extent having you no, no, on to no, this I'm, I'm quite comfortable i'll i'll go in my opinion because uh, that's obviously all i can go off anyway oh that is a really difficult question to be fair i've been really fortunate to have been growing up in an era where a lot of exeter city players have been pretty decent for the level um, oh god, I've got to dig out a name here. Who have I? Oh, bless him. He was on loan a couple of seasons ago. Um, but I think Tristan Abrahams is up there with he sort of scored on his debut. Everyone thought, oh, this could be a really good loan signing, and then sort of never materialized into anything. Very raw. Um, I think he's playing in the in the conference somewhere now. So sorry, Tristan, but I think. In recent history, I think you're probably one of the, the worst players I've seen. Yeah, it sounds like a bit of a false dawn from uh, Tristan Abraham at Exeter City. But Joe, bad, who is or was the worst Spurs player that you've seen? I'll go the lone player as well from years past, uh, Jedson Fernandez. I think he's actually doing okay now in Turkey. But when he was at Spurs, yeah, it was it was it was bad. It was very bad. <laughs> that was a weird situation. It seemed like even him and Mourinho had a bit of a weird sort of yeah who yeah. knows what, like if that was even something that anybody at the club wanted in the first place or not it was it very was weird. a weird one yeah yeah very 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 weird i guess before we we wrap up from that that game uh john you know obviously i set it up with regards to michael jackson's relationship to to the club is that something that the people of you know exeter city kind of look back upon fondly as kind of like a, a random sort of link to, to to Hollywood and maybe the club getting a bit of exposure or, or do they talk about it whatsoever? It, 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 did it even happen? First of all, yeah, it, it did happen. He was, I can't believe I'm saying this, he was an, an, an appointment or an honorary director, whatever he was. Um, even He drove around the pitch on a sort of old American car. It was, it was ridiculous with an umbrella up in the sun. It was crazy what was going on, but it's not something that's looked on very fondly at uh, Exeter City because it, he was him being there was as a result of you know two owners that well co-owners that really ran the club into the ground put us into masses of debt and that sort of Michael Jackson era is sort of synonymous with that and this the absolute 
uh, freak show sort of circus that our club was becoming. So a lot of fans don't really resonate with it too well. But I mean, now looking back at, at what it's led to, you know, that sometimes bad things have to happen for, for better things to fall in place. And those two owners gave us the opportunity to to run the club as fans, take it over as fans. And I think that's the best thing that's ever happened to this football club. And so you could look at it both ways, you know, that sort of circus show sort of led on to better things, but yeah, it's definitely not looked on fondly and it's one of the weirdest stories ever. Yeah, that is weird. Good thing it's Grecian the Lion these days, not um, not Michael Jackson on the yeah. <laughs> pitch. Yeah. Not that not that we'll be seeing him make an appearance at St James Park anytime soon. But um, I think yeah, that's where we'll um, we'll wrap it up um, for this podcast. Um, as always, a big thanks to my co-host Kaitel, and also of course a special thank you from the both of us to John for um, being a fantastic guest. Um, John, we hope you've. Um, enjoyed um being our guest on the podcast and also for our listeners um listening or watching this um how can they best follow you and sort of keep up to everything um john beer related um first of all thanks for having me on that was absolute barrel of laughs i've I've really enjoyed that uh best place to follow me and what i'm doing is uh either on my twitter at john beer or john b beer i think it is and um yeah if, you, if you're interested in sort of lower league football listen to my new football club i guess because it will give you a new perspective on what it's really like to support a, a football team yeah cheers again john uh, absolute pleasure having you on it really was a good time chatting with you and best of luck with everything that you're up to uh, as far as our listeners if if you enjoyed this podcast please do subscribe wherever it is that you like to stream your favorite podcasts just search for united mates football podcast on twitter instagram and facebook our handle is at united mates fp And if you feel like putting some faces to these voices, then you can find us on YouTube as well. Look for United Mates Football Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe while you're at it. Until next time, everyone, take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Goodbye. (laughs) 